Well, hey, Bridgeway, um, it's good to virtually see you today. Um, I am so stoked and excited. I woke up this morning, I just came from backstage, just pumped for what God is going to say uh, today. Are you ready for the word? I can't hear you, but I'm sure you said yes. All right. So we are in part 10 of our Connecting to Church series. Um, and this has been such an amazing time for us to learn uh, what it looks like for us to connect to one another as the church. Uh, but I do have a quick encouragement for you. And I just want to say, keep going. I know a lot of us did not expect 2020 to be like it is. I know I for sure did not expect that, but I see uh, post after post and person after person in our Bridgeway family uh, engaging over Zoom, engaging outside, being socially distant with masks on. And I'm just such, uh, it brings me so much joy to see um, not even a pandemic to stop us from connecting. So praise God for that. And I want to encourage you to keep, keep going after it. It's, it. This is so, so exciting. And today, before I dive into our passage. I want to talk about two specific words that the Apostle Paul talks about not only in Ephesians, but throughout all of his letters that he writes. And they are unity and diversity. Now, unity is a word that we've all hear, heard before, right? Unity is a group of people coming together and being unified for one cause. Maybe coming from different uh, backgrounds, different even religions or different types of circumstances coming together for one common goal. Now, diversity, on the other hand, is actually direct opposite of what unity is because diversity is actually focusing on the differences of people. Same type of thing, but different. Maybe where you grow up, um, how you were raised, what sports you like, what things you don't like. Those are kind of the types of things that create diversity. Now, all throughout this book in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is like, hey, I need you guys to be unified. I need you guys to come together under God's name and pursue what I've asked you to, what God has called you to. But then last week, Pastor Lance talks about how we, each of us, have different gifts, have different things that are awesome, right? Right? Some of us are really good at being a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist. And he talks about that in, in Ephesians, right? So how do we take that? How do we take our gifts and transpose that into a unified front? How do we all have different gifts and different callings, but all come together and be unified? One of my favorite theologians, the late theologians, is uh, by a guy named Ravi Zacharias. Now, Ravi Zacharias talks about and addresses this idea of unity and diversity. And he says, look, if we're capable, if we're able, if we're supposed to be unified and diverse at the same time, then there had to be uni unity and diversity in the first clause. In other words, before the heavens and the earth were created, before Adam and Eve were created, there had to be unity and diversity. And Ravi Zacharias argues that there was. And he alludes to the talk of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he has this statement that's really confusing, but also awesome at the same time. He says, there is unity and diversity in the community of the Trinity. Okay, that was crazy. I'm going to say that again. There is unity 
and diversity in the Trinity and in the community of the Trinity, right? And so that's a confusing statement, but I want to unpack it real quick. You see, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all part of the Godhead, the Trinity. But each of them have their own jobs, have their own functions within the Trinity. Three and one. Not two and three or two and one, but three and one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All together, different functions, but God, the Godhead. So if the Trinity was able to be unity, unified and diverse, then we as sons and daughters of God who have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are able to be unified and we're able to be diverse at the same time. Pastor Matt told us in the beginnings of, of Ephesians chapter four that the Holy Spirit allows us to be unified. It's in his nature. Let me give you another example. One of my favorite sports of all time is the sport of soccer. Now, I've been playing soccer since, I, man, I don't even remember when I started. But when I played soccer, my position was striker or forward. And my goal for my position was to score goals. Now, my friends who were defenders, their goal was opposite. Their goal was to stop people from scoring on our goal. Each of us, we had different functions, different roles within the team, but our collective goal was to win the game and score goals. And this leads us to the fill in the blank that's on the app. And let's be honest, you can just write it down however you're writing notes right now. And the fill in the blank is, all of us build all of us. All of us build all of us. And if that's true, if that's true that all of us build all of us, then we need to be very aware of what our friends and family are doing around us. And we need to come alongside them and encourage them towards the goal. What's the goal, you may ask? We're gonna get there here in a second. So last week, Pastor Lance talked to us about each of the gifts that we potentially have. And then he had a, a phrase that I really liked. He said this, God is not interested in conformity over unity. And all of this that we're talking about through the book of Ephesians, God is way more concerned with being unified. That is, that is his main goal here as we dive in. So I'm going to be reading in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This first verse has so much in it. So I have a few things that I just want to point out. The first one is, Paul says, until. Until. What he means by that in the Greek is he's saying, look, what we're about to talk about is attainable. It's not something that you look at and you're like, man, that's an impossible feat to do. But in fact, Paul is saying, take heart because this will come to pass. Bridgeway, that's an encouragement for you today. What we're about to talk about can and will come to pass. And next, Paul uses the word faith and uses the word knowledge right back to back, which happens a lot in scripture, right? So when he says the unity of the faith, he's like, look, we have to all understand 
that if we all have faith in the same person, that is Jesus Christ, then we're by nature unified. It doesn't matter what church we go to. It doesn't matter, you know, where we go on Sundays or Saturdays or during the week. What matters is who we put our faith in. And our faith is in Jesus Christ. So until we have our unified understanding that we all have faith in the same person, that's the only way we get to the goal. And then knowledge. What, 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 is, what is this knowledge? Well, it's knowledge of the Son of God. The same person we put our faith in is the same person we need to grow and grow in our knowledge. But what I love about these two words is they coincide with one another. They're so compatible. You ever had that moment where you have opened up your Bible or maybe you're sitting in church or watching a, a church stream and the pastor's just really speaking to you, Right? And you're like, man, I, I, I never thought of God being so kind and gentle and awesome and loving and caring like this before. Man, because I know so much about God, I want to put more faith in him. And on the flip side, you ever have those moments where you put so much faith in God and trust in him? And you're like, man, I want to know more about this guy I'm putting my faith in. When we grow in our faith, we grow in our knowledge. And when we grow in our knowledge, we grow in our faith. The next thing Paul says in this verse is he's like, let's grow towards maturity, towards the end goal, towards the end. Some commentators, some people say that maturity is perfect, is being perfect. But we know that we are incapable of being perfect, right? Only Jesus Christ himself can be perfect. But we can still grow. We can still grow in, in the faith of Jesus Christ. We can still grow in the maturity of Jesus Christ. Because as we learn, as we grow, just like when I was in my soccer team, each of us grow and learn individually. And when we mature by ourselves and we come collectively, the church of Christ together, and we mature together. Why? Because we are each doing what we're supposed to be doing. We grow together towards the goal. I like what one commentator said. He said this, the church is the dwelling place of Christ's attributes and powers. And he goes on to say that if this is true, if this statement is true, then we as the church need to give room for these attributes and powers to grow. So if God is love, then we need to give more room for us to love. If God cares for the people that everybody else doesn't look at, then we need to grow in those areas and look at others before ourselves. And I can, the list can go on and on in those areas where if God, if the church is a place where God is dwelling, then we need to allow him to dwell not only within us, but allow us to grow so that we can minister to the things that God cares about. And this verse gives us what our goal is as a church. He says at the very end of the verse, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Our goal is the fullness of Christ. Before I said it's impossible for us to be perfect, which is true, but it also our goal is to be perfect. So it's, it, it, the mystery is so real where we can't be perfect, but we're trying to be perfect. How does that work? 
It's about the process. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more later. So now in verse 14, Paul gives us a juxtaposition of what immaturity is versus maturity. Verse 14, Paul says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Think back to when you were born. Think back to when your child was born or when your grandchild was born. What happened? Did they just instantly grow? No. They grew. Why? Because the parents, you, had to give them nutrients from them to grow, whether that be food, whether that be sleep, even though you didn't get any, whether that be so many other things that allow a baby to grow. And when we accept Christ into our lives for the very first time, we become an infant in the faith and we must grow. But here's the in- issue with being infants. Here's the issue with that, with that analogy is for a child, it's very easy to be tossed back and forth in the waves because an infant doesn't really know what's up and what's down. A child really doesn't know what's happening. So that's why children are very impressionable and we have to be very cautious about what we say around them, right? And so if, if children are so potentially manipulative, we must be weary about being a child stu- stuck in a rut like a child. Because here's what happens. As this first say, it says, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people, What's it saying in the context of this, this passage in Ephesians? Paul is like, look, right now, I know people are telling Gentiles, telling that Gentiles need to live like Jews and need to be circumcised like Jews. And some Gentiles need to live exactly like Jews are. But I'm trying to tell you what the truth is. You see, that was the issue back in the day when Paul was writing this. Because a lot of people were saying, look, Gentiles need to live like Jews. It's... That's how it's supposed to be. But Paul was arguing against that. Transforming that into today, waves of teaching that are, that are false. Let's just be honest. Saying things like Jesus isn't the son of God. Or maybe Jesus wasn't fully man or wasn't fully God. Those are just examples. But if we are infants in the faith and get tossed back and forth, that could be beneficial, uh, not beneficial to our growth. And so Paul cares so much about this church. Paul cares about the church in Ephesus, but also this church, Bridgeway, so much that he does not want us to get tossed back and forth by the waves. But here's also what I see, Bridgeway. As many times I see, I see so many people get stuck, stuck in a rut where they need to be entertained, just like a child. Because as children, even right now in COVID-19, where we're at home all the time, we feel the need that the, ch- the children need to always be entertained. They don't, we don't want them to be bored because if they start being bored, then they're going to cry or scream or tap you or get you annoyed or something like that, right? Because that's what children are like. But a lot of times in our faith and our relationship with God, we, we expect to be entertained. So we come into the room 
We expect lights to be perfect. We expect the music to be perfect. We expect the preacher to be so engaging that you walk away and you're like, wow, 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 right? We need to be very careful by not falling into this rut, listening to the cunning or the cheating of false teachers. But here's my encouragement for you right now is that this is why Bridgeway is here. This is why Bridgeway is here. We are here to literally take you from immaturity to maturity because we care about your development. Here at Bridgeway, we literally have a pastor, Pastor Matt, who is just up here on the stage, who his title is Pastor of Christian Development. (laughs) His role is to develop you as a Christian. Every weekend, we have sound biblical teaching here on this stage. And during the week, we have classes that you can sign up for. Why? So that you can learn and grow in your faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And also, we have missional communities built on discipleship. So not only do we grow by ourselves, but we grow with our friends united in discussion. See, that's why I love serving in this place because we have so many different opportunities for us to grow from immaturity to maturity. That is such good news today, church. Such good news. Let's move on in verse 15. Paul says this, instead, instead of being like a child tossed back and forth in the waves, not knowing what's up and what, not knowing what's down, instead of listening to false teachers, speak the truth in love. Whew. I'm going to say that again. Speak the truth in love. I love the juxtaposition of being cunning and terrible teaching into love. Man, that's so, so good. We all, I feel like, know what love is. First, First Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says all about what love is. But I think a lot of us don't fully understand what speaking truth in love means. Maybe some of us, we think speaking truth in love is when you're having a conversation with someone, you just agree with whatever they say. They say, you know, one thing and you're like, yeah, I, I totally agree, even though you don't. Or maybe even what they're saying is heresy, but you just don't want to upset them or you don't want to get into an argument so you don't say anything. Friends, that's not speaking truth in love. That's actually not what the context of this verse is talking about. Because Christianity is nothing without truth. Christianity is nothing without truth. And this is why we have things like the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed that literally give us certain standards for us to pay attention to. Because if you do feel like you're getting tossed back and forth from the waves, and let's be honest, that happens to us sometimes because we get lazy and we just don't know what to do. But when we have standards like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, let's be honest, the, the Bible, we can go back to those things that ground us so that we can move forward. We can't have Christianity without truth. Truth is the foundation that we walk on. But what are some standards that we hold, hold fast to? Some are the, the authority of the Bible the truth of the gospel, the reality of the Trinity, the person of Jesus Christ, and even justification 
by faith. So what do you do with this truth? Yes, we speak it in love. We're gonna talk about it here in a second, but how do you speak it? I'll tell you right now. We must speak it. We must discuss it. And we must teach it. Speaking it is just using your words, using the mouth that God has given you. Discussing it is you, you discuss it at the dinner table with your family. You discuss it with your friends when you're playing golf. You discuss it in those atmospheres where you can ask the questions and be real with the people around you. You do this because that's how we grow into maturity together. And the last one is teach it. Teach it is not exactly what you think it means. It's not necessarily being on a stage and, and teaching two people, but teaching is living it out. In 1 John chapter three, he gives us a really good example of what it looks like to live out, to take a step and live out the gospel. Loving your enemies, which is so hard to do. Being bold with the gospel. These are the things, are the ways that we're able to speak the truth. Now the next piece is we gotta speak the truth in, in love. What, is, what does in love mean? What in love means is we need to check our spirits when we're communicating. If we're talking to, to a false teacher or something, we should not be bitter or angry towards them. If we disagree with someone, that's okay that we disagree, but we, need, we must listen to them and hear them and validate what they're saying. And once they're done saying, we respond, not in an angry tone, not in a judgmental tone, but in an honest tone, in a loving tone. Speaking the truth in love. One of my biggest pet peeves in any conversation is when somebody goes into a conversation to win. You ever have those moments? I know for me, sometimes I have that with adults. Sometimes I have it with teenagers. I think back when I was able to go on campus and serve students on their high school campuses, I remember I was having a conversation with one specific student and, she was, and we were talking about sports, right? And teenagers are very vocal about sports. And he was a Seahawks fan and I am a 49ers fan. So right off the bat, there's some friction, Right? And we, I was just talking and, and give him a hard time, be like, oh man, you're a Seahawks fan, they're the worst, like all that stuff. And then he kept telling me um, how much what I just said was so untrue. And he's like, look, let me tell you, because I'm right and you're wrong. And yes, there was just a, a banter back and forth, and it really didn't matter. But sometimes we can take that example and expand it even bigger when we talk about God, when we talk about all sorts of things. But if we go into a conversation trying to speak truth so that we can win, that is not God's heart. That is not what Paul is asking us to do here. But instead, when we speak truth, we speak truth in love. We speak truth in a way that people want to listen to us and have a conversation with us. An example of this in, is the book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul is, is writing a letter and let me tell you, this church was all messed up. They were doing all sorts of things wrong. 
All, te- all their teachings were whack. The people were acting whack. It was just, it's just a crazy time. And so Paul was fed up. So he decided to write a letter to the Galatians. And he's like, listen, guys, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what I need you to do. And I love what he says at the very end of the letter. And he's like, look, I know that was tough. I know that was hard for you to take. But guess what? I'm not your enemy. I'm not against you. I just want to be honest with you. And in fact, I love you like a mother loves her child. Think back to the last time you disciplined your child. Did you do it because you hated them or didn't want to see them again? No, you did that. Why? Because you wanted them to learn and you love them and want them to grow into maturity. So that one day when they're an adult, you can look at them and you can be like, I'm so proud. That's what we try to do as parents. That's what we try to do as adults. And so when we're talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ, we must be honest with them in love, speaking truth in love. Paul goes on to say in verse 15, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. I've been playing drums for about 20 years, which is crazy for me to say that I've been playing drums for that long. And I remember in the first three or four years of playing drums was pretty tough for me. I was learning the basics and that went okay. But at one point, I had to jump a threshold to another part of playing the drums. I had to understand, my body had to understand what it looked like and what it felt like for every limb to do something different. Because every limb had to for, in order for me to play the drums, right? And I remember I would go home and practice on my drum set week after week, day after day. I would go to my drum teacher's house. I would try to do it. I would try to do it. I would try to do it. And nothing worked. And I got so frustrated and angry to the point where I almost quit. I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. This, this will never work. Thankfully for the encouragement of my parents and my friends, I was able to push through that threshold and get it. And now I can and play drums and my, my limbs understand, you know, what, what they're supposed to do. But let's be honest. When we first accept Christ into our heart, we're confused. We don't know what to do. We don't fully understand what's happening. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says this, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image and ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. See, when we first accept Christ into, into our lives and into our hearts, we're like, okay, what's next? And who do we have? We have hopefully friends, pastors, leaders, helping us towards to understand that now we're part of a family. And Paul in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 He's reminding us of the sanctification process. Because as soon as we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit every day sanctifies us. Fancy word of making us more like Christ every single day. So every day when we wake up, we become a little bit more like Christ. And then the next day, a little bit more like Christ. And then the next day, a little bit more like Christ. And this is the process of sanctification. And the growth that we end up having at some point is all from God. He is the source 
of our growth. And Paul is telling the, the church in Ephesus and us today that, look, we should try our best to learn every day. There was a part of my life when I was in college where I felt like I was at a point where God was teaching me something and I was aware of it every single day. Man, I want to get back to that. That was such a good time in my life because I felt like, oh man, it, good. it was good. It was so good. But I want to be very clear about something, Bridgeway. And this is something I get caught up in my life. If you haven't been paying attention to anything I've said this entire time, hear me right now. I know a lot of us, when we, when we hear these types of messages, we're like, oh, what, am I, what else do I need to do more, more, more? I need to do this more. I need to do this more or this or this. But wait, it's not about what we're doing. It's about who we're becoming. God cares way more about who you are than what you're doing. As a pastor, I get caught up on this all the time because I feel like I need to be doing more for these students and for the people that the Lord has given me. But I'm, I have to remind myself that, Cliff, who are you behind closed doors? See, I believe that God cares more, way more about us, way more about what we're doing behind doors than we are in front of them. Let's close up this passage in verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Have you ever gone outside into nature and noticed the beauty of God? Maybe it was the sunset or the sunrise, or the lake, or trees, or the, or the sky, I don't know. And you ever thought to yourself, man, God is so creative. God is so amazing, right? Well, I don't think we need to look that far to see the beauty of God. I think we can look as far as our mirror in our bathroom. Because what God did when he created us still amazes me to this day. I don't know if you ever took an anatomy class, but... It's so overwhelming, all the little things that happen and things that we have to do and our body has to do every single day to, to come together because every single part of our body is, was made purposely, except for the appendix. I don't, I don't really know what the purpose of the appendix is, but I'm sure there's something. I don't have one and I'm functioning fine. So but that's beside the point. But every point, every part of our body has some sort of purpose. In fact, there's ligaments within your body that, that has a specific hole that another ligament or bone fits perfectly into and there's no friction. See, that's how crazy God created our bodies to be. There's no friction at anywhere throughout the body. And if we are the body of Christ, with Christ being the head that Paul says all throughout this passage, then that means that the nerves that go all through our body are all connected. If the pinky toe, if you stub your pinky toe, the whole body is affected, right? If something else happens throughout your body, maybe you hurt your hand for some reason, your whole body is affected. And so if we are the church of Christ, if we are the body of Christ, then everything we do affects the body as a whole. 
And Paul says in this last verse, builds itself, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I see a picture of what it would look like if each and every one of us went home, even where you're at right now, and we decided to take the step of growth. We would all come together as a body of Christ and continue to move forward and continue to grow and continue to mature. And the lifeblood of this body is love. If we didn't do anything else but love, then we have made it. So here's my question for you, Bridgeway. Have you continued to grow? Or have you lost the wonderment of the gospel? Just like what Pastor Lance talked about last week, how can your gifts mature the body to its fullest potential, which is the fullest fullness of God? But here's my <laughs> last encouragement for you is that all throughout this passage, Paul never gives us a timeline. He's not like, okay, let's be mature in the next 50 years. Let's be mature in the next 1,000 years. Okay, let's get to the fullness of Christ in a million years. No, he doesn't give us a time frame. He just says, do it. So Bridgeway, let's, let's start now. Let's start right now. Let's start growing in maturity in our own homes so that we as a collective body of Christ can mature to the fullness of God. Diving into the word, spending time with Jesus, spending time in community with his people. This is how we grow into, into maturity, into the fullness of God. But remember, it's not about what we do. It's about who we're becoming. And I believe and have faith in every single one of you that we're able to do this. Because like I said before, it's, it's not something that's never gonna happen, but it's something that's gonna happen. And oh boy, when Jesus comes back, it's gonna be a party. I can't even wait for that. So take a moment, even right now, wherever you're at, and think about the reality of how you've been. Where are you growing towards? And how can you take steps to continue to grow in maturity? I know you can do it. Talk to your friends, talk to your family, because we're in this together. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this passage. Father, thank you for speaking today. And God, I just ask that you bring every single person that's watching this, bring them confidence of what their role is in the body and how they can grow into maturity, into the fullness of you. God, you are so good. You're so gracious. You're so faithful to us. And we just wanna be more and more like you every single day day. So we trust you, Father, and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.